Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Cape Sports Now. It is Monday, May 14th. This is episode 10. We finally hit double digits. I'm Matt Goisman, alongside Steve Jordarian. Steve, we've got about three weeks left of the regular season, and we're starting to see some real tight races for leagues, for playoff spots. This is really starting to be a real interesting, exciting time, I think. Yeah, you always look at the standings, at least for the overall Cape and Islands, and you try to see how many of these teams as mm-hmm. a group can get in. I mean, sometimes it usually ends up being right around half, but sometimes it can be more, sometimes it can only be a couple. I mean, it really depends on the season some of these teams are having, and, and so far... Even three weeks out, it's still too close to tell for some teams. Absolutely. Generally around this point, most teams in most sports will play about 20 games. Some will play 22. Some will play a few, fewer, you know, 18 or maybe even less. So if around now you're at seven or eight wins, you're in a pretty good spot to make the playoffs. If you have fewer than that, you really got to play well down the stretch uh, to have a chance. And it's going to be tough because you're going to have very few opportunities to make mistakes and Chances are, given all the rain we've had, these are going to be concentrated schedules. So you really, you can't have like a couple of bad days because that could be two games you give away that you really need. Yeah, I mean, you see it in sports like baseball, playing three, four days a week. And and when you get to four-day weeks, I mean, it's a real strain on the pitchers. Mm -hmm. And in a sport like baseball, where you really have to cycle through on a rotation of sorts. So an interesting challenge, no doubt, but it's definitely – like you said, a concentrated schedule down the stretch. So, um, and not a lot of room for error for some of these teams, too. Some of them have been a surprise. You know, you look at DY softball, for example, mm-hmm. a team we pretty much still expected would be a playoff contender. They only need to win three of their next seven, but, you know, they've been up and down this season. So, um, none of these teams are guaranteed anything. So, they got to go earn it. Absolutely. We have two seven win softball teams going at it uh, tomorrow. DY uh, is the host. Sturgis East comes to town. It's a non-league game, different divisions, but still a very critical matchup for both teams. You know, D.Y., they were, you were at that game. They were leading Marshfield, and that was the last team they played, and then they gave up the lead, and then they made a bunch of errors in the seventh inning, and they wound up losing 13-7. Uh, you know, they had really good innings, like the third when, inning when they took the lead. You had Jada Davis, Abby Feinstein, Abe McGaffigan, Julia Kent. They all single, and then Abby Hicks, it's a nice two-run triple, but it didn't last, just like, mm-hmm. which is what happened the first time those teams played. Uh, you know, again, D.Y. had a lead on Marshfield, couldn't hold it for seven innings. Marshfield wound up winning, snapped D.Y.'s win streak, and it gave Marshfield the Atlantic Coast League uh, softball title. Um, you know, they are, but they are also capable of playing quite well. Mm-hmm. They beat Nosset, which is not as strong a team as Marshfield, but they beat him 18-1. You know, McGaffigan was great. Frisch was great. They both had three RBIs. So they really need to kind of put it together and not, you know, and they're playing a good Sturgis East team. Sturgis East is 7-4. and four. They lost pretty bad to Monomoy. That was their last game. They lost 7-0. Emily Fox had the only hit for Monomoy. Molly Charest, 17 strikeouts, a one-hitter. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what she's been doing all year. Um, but the previous game, they beat Nantucket, who we kind of – 
at the beginning of the season were pretty good, and I think they've come back to the pack a little bit. But they beat him 8-7 in extra innings, you know, with Emily Fox scoring the winning run. So both teams are capable of playing quite well. Both teams are also capable of struggling. It'll be really interesting to see which team can step it up here because uh, to get this eighth win now would, I think, take a lot of mental pressure off of whichever team uh, gets it. Yeah, and I think they should win that game. But, I mean, then you look at Wednesday, they jump right back at it and go at a sandwich, which mm-hmm. which knocked off DY 3-2 earlier in the year. Yeah. You know, Rain Turley, we mentioned again, the lefty uh, softball. Pitching definitely really well. Pitching really well. And sandwich didn't get off to the greatest start. Um, but, they, I mean, they've really been keeping it close with some of the best. I mean, they pushed Monomoy about as closely as you can. Yeah. And that's definitely the best team on the Cape right now. So it, it'll be very interesting. If they can sweep the season series with D.Y., I think Sandwich puts themselves in a, in a decent spot. I mean, they still need to win a lot of games down the stretch to secure a good playoff spot. You know, we mentioned playoff spots. You know, some, some just getting into the playoffs isn't going to do you too much because chances are you're going to get matched up with a really good team. And sure. You're still going to play the game, but at, at a certain point, these teams want to not just play a playoff game. They want to host one, too. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think in a sport like baseball or softball, home field advantage actually matters all, home field advantage really everything for sure to get to a certain point so um i don't want to dwell too much on monomoy just because we talk about them most weeks they do have a really really big game friday when they host nantucket they went to nantucket and won earlier this season if they can if the sharks can win this one they can pretty much put a cape and islands league regular season title in the bag i mean Mm -hmm. there are other strong teams sturgis east is one of them but i think monomoy nantucket was going to be the showdown, and if Monomoy can sweep that, I think they've probably got this league sewed up at this point. Yeah, you know what's impressed me about Monomoy in recent weeks is Cheris has really stepped up with a bat, too, mm-hmm. and not just pitching well, but hitting well, too. Yeah. I mean, just just hitting those in the gaps, and, and and we've talked to her at times where she's like, she's really humble, and she seems like she's shy, but it seems that this year she's really made it a point of emphasis to focus on hitting as well, because in the middle of that order, that's really key. Uh, to drive in runs and stuff like that because we know the top of that order is very capable of getting on base, mm-hmm. but you need someone to drive those runs in, and, and Molly's done a good job with that this year. Yeah, she was more or less the nine hole, like bottom of the lineup hitter last year, year before that, uh, but now she's really stepped up into the cleanup role, and she and Emma Thatcher, who's mm-hmm. also her catcher, they are a very potent 3-4 punch, let's call it, because uh, right. that's where they hit, but, you know, and Thatcher's really hitting quite well this season, you know, no, number of home runs and, and really kind of, you know, she's getting pitches probably maybe because pitchers are a little afraid, you know, they don't want to face Sherest either, but she's also a very good hitter on her in her own right. So um, switching over to baseball, got another big Cape and Islands League matchup on Tuesday. Um, I think I'm going to be at that one. So if you see me, come say hi. Uh, it is Monomore. <clears throat> Excuse right. me. Yeah, that was <laughs> ill-timed. Uh, Monomoy at eight and four, and they're at St. John Paul, who is eight and one. That's at McKeon Park, that you know where the um, Hyannis Harbor Hawks play. That's St. John Paul Stadium. So that's Tuesday at four p.m. The last time they played, St. John Paul won two and one, uh, two to one. That is the only league loss for Monomoy this season. The Lions are still undefeated in league play. So this is, again, like uh, that Nantucket-Monomoy softball game. This, could pro- this will probably decide who wins the uh, Cape and Islands League uh, regular season title. You know, Monomoy – I'm sorry, St. John Paul is coming off of a, uh, a pretty good game. They won – I'm sorry, 6-1 against Rising Tide. You had Colby August and Aaron Cole combining on a one-hitter in that game. My hunch is Devin Harrison will pitch this one against Monomoy. He struck out one hit – 
uh, I'm sorry, struck out six, one hit and one run allowed the last time when he played pitched against Monomoy earlier this season. So that's what I would expect uh, Coach Ryan Source to do again is go with his ace. Um, Monomoy, not their best showing on Friday when they lost 16-1 uh, to uh, Sandwich, which is a good team that, you know, they play Falmouth today. They could still tie for the ACL Atlantic Coast League Championship if they can win that game and win their finale because everybody's got at least three league losses. Um, but before that, Monomoy beats Georgia C 7-4. You know, Kiernan Murphy had a bases-clearing double and a five-run inning for the Sharks. So they are capable of playing really good baseball, and they're capable of struggling just like all these other teams. And so they, you know, they really don't want to give this game away, but this is a good matchup on Tuesday and could be a, a preview of a potential playoff game. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, SJP, you know, it obviously rain kind of, you know, dampened a little bit at the start of their season, but really put together kind of that, not necessarily under the radar, but just put together a really good season. And, you know, the one hitter from Harrison came earlier in the year where mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was hard, much harder to hit and stuff like that. It was cold and rainy. So if you can put together a good pitching performance against Monomoy and they can win that game, I, I think their potential to make a really deep playoff run here. I mean, I know it's not just one pitcher. I mean, I believe in that game. I think he also either drove in or he scored the winning run mm-hmm. uh, in that game. So he can do it offensively, too. And, and uh, SGP's at home. There's no reason they shouldn't be able to win that game. Sure. You want to turn it over to lacrosse? Yeah, sure thing. So today, interesting matchup. You know, Upper Cape's hosting Southeastern. You know, these are two of the close teams in the Mayfield Athletic Conference. Really interested in Garrett Glinsky, who this past week, or I think might have been a couple of days past the week, anyway, reached 100 goals, 100 assists, and therefore 200 points. You know, all in one season, you know. 100 goals are becoming a little more common in lacrosse, but mm-hmm. 100 assists is something that really stands out, I think. You know, be able to distribute the ball to your other goal scorers. So, Upper Cape is closing in on a playoff spot. They lost to uh, Southeastern earlier this year, 9-8 mm-hmm. in an overtime match. So they'll be anxious to get back at it with this team and, and really take another step closer to make the playoffs. They're 7-5 and five right now, um, 111 goals, 87 allowed. I mean, this is they play a lot of low-scoring games. And yep. If you can keep teams close, you know, you're going to give yourself a chance to win, and, and Glinsky's going to do a good job with that. Um, really interesting on both sides of the cross spectrum here is Monomoy. Both of uh, the boys and the girls programs are in their second year as full varsity yep. programs, and both really look to be on the verge of clinching a playoff spot. The boys are seven and six. The girls are eight and fives. Both mm-hmm. of them are four and twelve last year, so really have kind of evolved. Absolutely, just about the same way. Jen Peterson's done a great job with the girls across program, and John Kent his first year with Monomoy. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, he's also done a good job. Uh, uh, Monomoy is hosting DY today. Um, they can clinch their first ever postseason spot with a victory. However, DY had a really strong showing the last time these two teams played. It was an 18 to four route yeah. for, for DY. So, it might not happen today, but I think Monomoy is going to be able to to get itself into the postseason. You know, they've got big contributions, guys like Connor Santoni, Elijah Beasley, plus Kyle Gibrianet. So, you know, it'd be a major accomplishment in your first year. You come in, you take a four and twelve program, and you make them to a playoff team. Absolutely. I think that's a success in just about anybody's book. I, I would say so. And Monomoy itself is a very young school. I mean, the school's only like four or right. five years old. So, you know, you talked about how not teams don't want to just make the playoffs and lose. They want to make it get a good seed, go deep. That's true. But you have to build the program right. up. And this is a young school with an even younger program. So mm-hmm. yeah, a good starting point was prove we're capable of making the playoffs and build from there. Right. And on the girls' side, and I'll switch back over to the other boys in a second, but just on the girls' side, you know, 
Uh, Emma Mon obviously mm-hmm. has been a big choice. Really good field hockey player. Absolutely. I believe she's she trying to play field hockey at the next level. She is going yeah. to the next level, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not uh, blanking on which school yeah. she's going to. I believe it's <laughs> a D2 school, though. Yeah, but um, just, just an outstanding athlete. Jess mm-hmm. Curry and Mara, uh, Mara Blute also, you know, outstanding contributions, you know. And, and Monomoy, you know, when you look at, you know, they're going to play Sacred Heart Wednesday. Mm-hmm. They should be able to get that one and, and get themselves into the postseason. Just, you know, Great to see that they've made in a tough, top-heavy girls across. When you look at the teams that they play, whether it's the Falmouth Academies of the world, or mm-hmm. you know, even um, you know, Nantucket's put together a great season in past years. Um, definitely not an easy road for them, but um, they've sure. done that quite nicely this year. Um, also interesting, we got a good look at uh, Nantucket this week on the boys' side. They're mm-hmm. at Nosset on Thursday. We talked about Nosset's struggles last week. They haven't really been able to turn it around. I mean, Nosset's not out of it yet. I mean, they're six and six right now. Um, but Nantucket, thirteen and one, only losses in North Reading so far. Plenty of weapons on their team. I mean, just look across the score sheet. You know, they got ten different guys on any given day, but specifically Darren Duart, Terrain Burton, Ben Lombardi, Alex Small, mm-hmm. and Spencer West. You know, those are the big, you know, core guys who can all put the ball in the back of the net. And Nantucket again already playoff bound, but really interesting to see how they stack up against an ACL team. It's kind of that right. mismatch of hey, let's take a real the best team in the Cape and Islands. Let's see how they match up against an ACL team because, as we know, the ACL is still, I think, from top to bottom, the most competitive around here in terms of boys lacrosse. I, w- I would agree, and I, you know, these are also much larger schools. You know, right. Nantucket is, is I believe, a division lower certainly than right. a school like Marshfield or mm-hmm. even you know a, a Falmouth or a Sandwich. So you sometimes have physical differences in the right. size of the players. So yeah, it would be a big test. You know, it's like when Monomoy plays. You know, a a DY or a sandwich or something in any sport, you know, it's a good measuring stick if you can really compete with really good teams that are a division higher than you that come from bigger schools and so have larger talent pools to draw upon. Right. And, but I mean, I'm really impressed with Nantucket this year, 197 goals scored, only 66 allowed. Yeah. I mean, and that 66 really stands out in a yeah. high scoring sport like lacrosse. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, that's huge, huge credit to the Nantucket defense there. I mean, I know they play some, te- you know, some teams at the bottom of the Cape and Islands who mm-hmm. are still struggling and stuff like that. But hey, you got to play who's scheduled, yeah, right? Exactly. And, and you got to get the job done. And, they, and they've certainly done that this year. On the girls' side, you know, a team that's kind of flown under the radar this year is uh, Martha's Vineyard, eight and two this year. Addie Heyman is a real good job leading yeah. them. You know, and you know they'll be playoff bound. One hundred fifty-two goals to seventy-six allowed. Uh, just be a real great accomplishment for them. You know, we talk a lot about Falmouth mm-hmm. with an undefeated season. Actually, Falmouth, we'll get to that in a little bit. They're undefeated no more. They lost right. uh, earlier last week to Marshfield at Marshfield. That was an overtime game. But the Vineyards really put together a good season. You know, and we talk a lot about Martha, Falmouth, Falmouth Academy, of mm-hmm. course. Um, I, I think the Vineyard can make a decent run at it, too. And it'll be interesting to see who they can draw in a tournament setting. Heyman actually played for Falmouth Academy uh, several years ago. Um, now, I think it was 2015 was her mm-hmm. last year playing for uh, the Mariners, and she was dominant. I mean, she was as big or bigger of a scoring threat than Jane Early was that year, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that made that team really dangerous because they could, you know, go to them or Eliza Van Voris or anybody, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and then 
Addie moved over to the vineyard, and it's good to see that she's just continued that success uh, from there. Imagine seeing that trio last year with uh, Van Voorhees early and yeah, yeah, <laughs> name and Addie had stuck, for that, that would have been well. I mean, but then maybe Jane Early wouldn't have 400 goals and be racing up true. to the top 10 nationally. But that is true. But at the same time, I mean, I think you have to look at it from a team's perspective. You oh, throw sure. in another solid score oh, like absolutely. that. I mean. Now you're talking about competing against the Norwells and, and Old the other Rochester's yeah, and absolutely the other know, powerhouses of the world. Yeah, you know? and Ainsley, holy cow! Yeah, so you know what might have been, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you can't do that now. But um, some other bubble teams, you know, Sandwich Eight. Uh, that's not really a bubble, but <laughs> Sandwich Eight and Three, they should be able to get themselves absolutely. get itself into the tournament. There, you mentioned Monomite Eight and Five, Nantucket Girls Seven and Three. We get a look at them Tuesday. They're at Simpkins Field in South mm-hmm. Yarmouth to play Sturgis East. Um, it'd be a good look at them. You know, Catherine Pittman has really done a good job leading them this year. She's their top goal scorer, and I believe also really a win good off- swimmer. Yeah, yeah, too. <laughs> I mean, you, you think of how she's clearly in shape. I mean, yeah. to be a good swimmer, I mean, she's fast, and and, and in a game like lacrosse, you got to use your speed to and have good conditioning to mm-hmm. just be able to do it over and over and over again. So yeah, I'm sure there was no, uh, not much of a what do you call it, a lag or a. Yeah, conditioning session. I'm sure conditioning was very easy for her. You know, moving into the, um, moving into the spring. So moving on to grass from the pool. <laughs> exactly. And then Mashpee. You know, we talked last week. Um, Tara, Tara Palermo. Thank you. I don't know why I was slipping there for a second. Um, got her 300th uh, varsity goal over the or during the week. Uh, they beat East Bridgewater pretty handily, mm-hmm. and and just cool to see an accomplishment. You know, we, we've talked about early reaching 400. I mean, 300. In the 400 mark, you're not really going to see anybody else, at least not No, it's only year. happened nine times like, right. in history of the you know, But 300, that is really special. Absolutely. And, and, and Mashpee has looked up and down at times this year. They do play a tough schedule. They had they, they scheduled Falmouth twice, which screwed mm-hmm. us to them. Um, <laughs> and the, you know, But it's a young team defensively, so th- Mashpee is building up that program, but it's definitely going to be a tough loss when Palermo's gone next year. Absolutely. But still cool for the senior who's going to Framingham State now, decided to go to the D3 level. Mm-hmm. Um, still cool to see her go to the next level, and sure. she definitely left her mark on that program. Yeah, she's the I mean, the career leader in score, goals scored and I think a couple of other statistical categories too. So that program will remember Tara Palermo for a very long time. I guess a quick shout-out to Bourne too. They snapped a uh, 10-game losing streak the other day yeah. to <laughs> finally get themselves back on track, you know. We sometimes ignore the bottom of the standings, but you know what? Um, at a certain, at a certain point, you got to play for something, right? And, right. and and kudos to them to keep fighting and, and get back on the winning side of things. I mean, they started off great 3-0, but then they just kind of hit a big skid there and finally got themselves, you know, on the on the winning side again. Absolutely. So uh, we'll turn over to tennis briefly. I, first of all, we got to give a shout out to uh, Martha's Vineyard because they beat Sharon on Friday. They beat him 3-2. Sharon is the only team that beat the Vineyard last year. They went undefeated, won a state title. So if there is any lingering doubts that this Vineyard team is a contender for a fourth consecutive state championship, those doubts should be completely gone at this point. Uh, the biggest difference is Hannah Rabaska, she lost at three singles last year, and that was basically the difference in the match. This year, she had a different opponent, but she won, and she, you know, and that was what made the changeover to help the Vineyard still stay undefeated. Um, I also, you know, I have been wondering a lot when Coach Nina Bramhall would put Lizzie Williamson back with Victoria Scott at one doubles because they were undefeated in the two-time individual state tennis champions. 
I don't think that's actually going to happen this year because Williamson teamed up with Cat Roberts, who's a senior like her, also the the only other person left on the team who was part of that first state championship team in 2015. And in the individual tournament on Sunday at Old Rochester, they went six and zero six zero. They went six zero six zero and then six zero six zero again to advance. They are clearly functioning very well as a doubles mm-hmm. team, and I don't expect them to split them up, uh, especially with Molly Pogue and Cheska Potter, who also advanced, um, playing very very well at two uh, at two doubles. So I think we I think this lineup is set, and I think it's clearly working really really well. Mm-hmm. Um, also. Another good matchup coming up is Nosset 13-0. They're in the playoffs already at, at Barnstable, uh, who is 6-5 and five and still hunting for wins. That's Friday at 4.30. Barnstable's biggest player right now is probably Olivia Burler. She was able to advance out of the first rounds of the South Tournament uh, yesterday. But Nosset's got some real big advantages, specifically at doubles. You know, you had uh, Reagan Meehan in a, a Queen of Rank and Bevan Burns and Caroline Donahue, both teams advanced to this weekend's uh, second day, uh, second rounds. And you have uh, Sophia Calderon, a singles player from Nosset, who advanced. So if those people all do what they're supposed to do, <laughs> Nosset is looking at another win. Barnstable, you know, they need Burler, and they're going to need someone, a couple other, you know, spots to step up and grab them some points. Yeah, I mean, when you look at a dominant doubles like that, it makes it so hard to beat a team yeah. where just your two or your two doubles pairs are just so strong. And and against Nasi, you're not going to sweep their singles. So no, I mean, you need- pretty much games that match a lot in, in a ways even before you step in. I mean, you still got to win the match. Obviously, you got to make sure everyone gets through healthy. But real strong showing from Nasi this year. And I I know we were talking about this last night. A lot of undefeateds. Yeah, and on both the girls and boys side of tennis. And I know we'll be seeing how long those can stand as the season winds down the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if you have any other girls' yeah, size notes. So, um, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. The boys' side, you know, the Vineyard also boys were very impressive. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris Ferry and Max Potter, you know, advancing in the singles side of things. And Spencer Pogano from Favreau going out of doubles. And, you know, it, it's almost like that they're kind of feeding off each other. You know, the girls and the boys' team. It's to For say, sure. hey, who can push it far, you know, further? Who can get more players through? And, mm-hmm. and I know they're not in direct competition, but it's still cool to see both those squads. Although Spencer and Molly Pogue um, are siblings, right. so there may sure be they, some direct competition Maybe. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Favreau and Pogue, I mean, they're the number four seed. I mean, they rolled in, in, in their opener, you know, mm-hmm. about 6 6 um, it's, it's sometimes cool in some of the pro tennis matches when they include how long those matches take. We don't always sure. get that, but something tells me that was a real quick and brisk match. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, you know, Potter, uh, so with the Vineyard boys on the fifth side and Ferry, the 11th seed, you know, they had first round buys, which, which helped a lot. And, and, you know, when the one fewer match you have to play, you know, it, it's, I'm sure it's a, it's a good rest, even though, you know, you kind of talk. People talk about this in the NFL playoffs. Sometimes, you know, you get a team that has a bye. Maybe sometimes it's a disadvantage because mm-hmm. you're playing a team that's already won, or you're playing somebody who's already won a match. Yeah. So sometimes that's a disadvantage. But I think in tennis, where it could be a long, grueling grind, you'll appreciate the shortest road possible to get to the finals. Um, I mean, it's the same question that always comes about, like in the NBA, if one team goes seven games right. in the series and the other team sweeps, what hap- You know, is that team rested or are they rusty? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and other individuals, uh, Barnstable's Trevor Blaze, he was seated six. He advanced. He was Barnstable's only person to get through. 
Uh, he beat Connor Alvis from Dartmouth 6-3-6-1, and then Somerset Berkeley's um, Dan Pathello actually had to go three sets, not mm-hmm. a good second set for him, but he ended up winning 6-2-1-6 and then a 7-5. Um, so, and then really what was interesting, I thought, was found with tennis. You know, we finally got to look at Brian Estes against another um, Cape opponent here, Sturgis West, who's also both those teams are undefeated. So mm-hmm. it's cool to see them go head-to-head. So Estes, uh, he beat the West, um, some of West Bridgewater in the first round, 6-2-6-0, and then beat Jack Andre pretty handily, 6-2-6-2. Yep. And, he, you know, Jack's been really strong for Sturgis West this year. Mm-hmm. Sturgis West already in the postseason at 12-0. So, and then you look at the final doubles team. They also got a matchup against Sturgis, and that's Luke Knox and Wes Garland. They advanced. They beat Sturgis's Noah Wepley and Sam Goldberg 6-2 uh, mm-hmm. or 7, excuse me, 7-6, seven, um, and they won the tiebreaker, and then 6-2 finished them off. So, um, great showing by Falmouth so far. They're 9-0 and this year. Pretty much have a stranglehold on the ACL. Yeah. I'm not sure if they clinched it up yet, but they got to be close if not. Yeah, so. I mean, they're – they're cruising. Mm-hmm. So uh, they'll move. All these guys will move on to to next weekend's tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a little unclear where exactly the tournament's going to be, but we yeah. do know that Saturday and Sunday um, is when the tournament will wrap up. Absolutely, so, rain weather permitting. Um, so. I know that a lot of teams they had to completely cancel Saturday's action and do it all on Sunday. So team kids you, were playing. You talked to some of these coaches. It was a long day. <laughs> yeah, it was three. It was you know three matches in a day for some kids, and uh, I, I think everybody, including the tournament directors, yeah. came out of that feeling pretty exhausted. <laughs> yeah, and, and you talk about tennis. It, it is such a grind and yeah. such oh, yeah. how, so hard to stay focused for something that's so repetitive for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I did a story last week on the uh, Resens brothers from the uh, SJP two, yeah, yeah. and I, a couple of alumni actually came back from SJP, mm-hmm. and we, I was just talking to them, and they—that's all they said. It's just such a mental grind, yep. And that you just have to keep focused, or before you know it, you're down, you know, five-one, and you're just about to get beaten in a set there. So, uh, kudos to those to those guys that you just mentioned and girls who just played uh, three matches yesterday, yeah, <laughs> especially yeah, really. when they go into a third set. That's not easy. Yeah, no, not at all. A um, couple other things going on, you know, throughout the week here. We talked about the D3 baseball tourney, which mm-hmm. once again, the New England Regional is going to be hosted at White House Field, uh, home of the Harwich Mariners of the Cape League. It's at Monomoy High School for people who don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, just cool to see, you know, so much talent and, and a lot of local talent come down here. And really headlining that's Chris Fowler. Absolutely. Uh, Barnesville High graduate from 2014. Breaking all sorts of records for UMass Boston. He's back mm-hmm. again this year. And UMass Boston came out of that last year and um, just had a really strong showing uh, yeah. from them. Yeah. I mean, he, he came in with, a, I think, the longest hitting streak in school history. And then he continued it in their first game. And I think they snapped it in the second one. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Fowler, definitely one of the biggest names. We'll get the full – announcement right. of all the teams coming in uh, later this afternoon, we expect. Yeah, and college spring sports are really like no other. I mean, these past few weeks you've seen all these college graduations and stuff like that. I mean, these kids are done with school. Yeah. It's just baseball now. Yeah, and pretty much. They, it's the most r- relaxing thing in a way. I mean, maybe you break the routine a little bit, not having class and stuff like that, but it, it really is a unique part of the year where you can just focus on postseason sports mm-hmm. and, and not have to really worry about anything else you know if you're a senior this is especially at like for these d3 kids where most of them this will be the last time they can play competitive baseball you know it's just a chance to enjoy being with your teammates you know these people you've spent maybe right. four years with 
probably the people you have spent the most time with since coming to college. So it's one last little chunk of weeks with them, hopefully, you know. Right. So the double elimination tournament begins Thursday and can run all the way up until Monday yep. um, if possible. Most likely it will be wrapped up Sunday, mm -hmm. but, you know, there's all sort of built-in extenuating circumstances for weather and whatnot. But it, it's a fun time. So not only UMass uh, Boston, the other two Massachusetts teams, Suffolk is in there as well as mm -hmm. uh, Western New England got in as well. And the tournament's filled out with teams like Ram excuse me, Ramapo from New Jersey, um, a school Mitchell, um, trying to think of the, I looked at it this morning. I should have these <laughs> listed down. Um, but, but, you know, those are the three Massachusetts schools. And I'm sure of all of these, we'll find somebody with some Cape League or For some sure. sort of Massachusetts Cape Cod connections. Yep. So it'll be a lot, of, a lot of fun, you know, to see how this shapes out. You got, we'll have a story. You're uh, working on a, like a, a full preview feature. Right. I don't want to give too much away. So, sure. so <laughs> check sure. out the paper tomorrow and then you'll get the full details. Uh, yeah. Or <laughs> head to capecodtimes.com slash sports uh, to, for all of our content and, uh, or, and for back issues of the show, capecodtimes.com slash cape sports. Now there is one more thing I want to fit in real quickly. Friday, Absolutely. they got the Cape and Islands women's fleet racing at great Harbor yacht club in Nantucket. Um, you know, this is a big sailing season is Everything, mm -hmm. you know, with, when you look at sailing, it kind of all leads up, at least from the school's perspective, leads up to Fregali on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Fregali is not just a big race from High Anson, Nantucket. There's some high schools involved, not Absolutely. just volunteers, but some races in there as well. That's only 12 days away, and I know you and I both look forward to that every year. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think I need much of an explanation. I have distinct <laughs> memories of Fregali. <laughs> as and, do I, Matt. Yeah, and speaking of sailing, uh, ha nice job for Barnstable. The Red Raiders yes. went to the Hairshoft Trophy. Uh, that's the... The sailing is organized by what's called NESA, the New, uh, New England School Sailing Association. The Hairshoff Trophy is the women's or the girls' championship. Barnstable placed third. They were the top public school in the regatta. You know, everybody, the teams that beat them, Hotchkiss School and Prout School, are both private schools. And third place is the best that, that the Red Raider program has ever finished mm -hmm. at this uh, event, especially since it became a became a championship in 2013. Before that, it was just an invitational. So really top-notch season for the Red Raider girls. Um, and we'll see if they've got other, you know, sailing stuff coming down the line, yeah. uh, you know, as we get to the end of May and June. Um, but that was a really good, memorable performance for and, them. And as it warms up, too, just so much more fun to go out and sail. Uh, yeah. You're not in <laughs> full layers of clothes and stuff like that. and. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, you know, when it gets warm out in the summertime, sailors will take a dip in the water in between races. Sure, why not, why not? you yeah. know? <laughs> as long as it's clean. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Um, I think that'll just about do it um, for episode 10. Yeah. Made it to double digits. I'm wearing a pink shirt today as a belated happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. We appreciate all that you do. And, um, yeah, anything else, Matt? I think that'll uh, do it. Um uh, you want to wrap this up? Yeah, sure thing. So uh, if you want to watch this podcast, if you didn't get a chance to catch it live, go to capecodtimes.com slash capesportsnow, all one word. Um, I'm Steve Dardarian. You can find me on Twitter at, at Steve underscore Dardarian. That's D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N. And I'm Matt Goisman. You can find me on Twitter at, at Matt Goisman CCT. That's M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T. We'll see you for episode 11. Till then, bye. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. 
From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.